Welcome to the From Where I Say podcast. On today's episode, I'm going to review season one of Ozark. There will be spoilers. There will be spoilers. Uh, the show came out in 2017. The statute of spoiler limitations has run out. I will be spoiling things pretty much immediately. So if you do not want the show spoiled for you, I suggest you hit the eject button right now and come back when you've seen the show. If not, get ready for some opinion uh, based off what I saw. Ozark season one is good to very good. Uh, The way that people talk about it, I'm sure the show will eventually get better. Um, But season one was a bit of a grind to get through. By the time I got to the end of season one, I will say that the grind was worth the trip. Uh, Episode eight really sort of cemented that for me. But the show was not necessarily the easiest one to connect with. A lot of other shows that I've watched or binged, there's an instant connection. There's a hook from episode one that'll get you and then will carry you from episode one to the season finale. This show, I took some breaks. I took, you know, two to three breaks after a certain amount of episodes because the show just wasn't, it just wasn't connecting. Some of the casting choices bothered me. Dell, uh, Charlotte, Pastor Mason Young, the people who play them, I'm sure they're fine actors and actresses, but I, f- I just feel like maybe some other people could have been in those roles that gave those characters just a little bit more oomph, a little bit of extra edge to them that would have made them more effective, but they were the people that were chosen, so therefore that's what we got. I want to talk about how bad the FBI is in this show. Uh, the FBI is embarrassing. I know that a lot of shows have bumbling and stumbling when it comes to law enforcement. Usually there has to be something wrong with them so that the criminals can continue to keep succeeding. But I feel like on this show, for people that are considered to be smart, the FBI element in this show is beyond laughable. When Roy Petty decided to, you know, do his little sting operation on Russ Langmore by romancing him, I immediately screamed at my TV set because I understood what he was trying to do. Doing something that risky will only come back in time to bite you. And that's pretty much what happened. You're trying to build a case against Marty Bird by trying to turn who you think will be the dumbest or the weakest link. I get that. If you're going to use your smarts as a weapon, why don't you just press Russ Langmore from jump? You say to him, listen, we know what Ruth is up to. We know what Marty Bird is up to. Let's put the press on you. You know, twist his arm. Use intimidation. Use that badge. Use that shield to say, listen, you do what I say. I'll stay here in the bushes, in the, in, the, in the shadows. You just do the thing that we need you to do by applying pressure from the darkness, and then you'll get Marty. To go on this long, drawn-out, 
you know, romance where you're talking about opening up a, a tackle shop um, and fly fishing and, you know, sharing beers and, you know, eventually getting intimate. Like you're you're wasting so much valuable time if you really want to get Marty Bird and then chase whoever he's working for up the up the ladder like that to me that just made zero sense and as soon as as soon as i saw that that was what he was trying to do mr petty i was like you know what this is this is going to fail hilariously and i'm here for it he then plays the card like oh i've you know signed these papers and here's the wire so ruth can say that she wanted to kill marty in your house like you knew none of that was going to work you knew none of it was going to work and then let's toss in Trevor Evans, who was Petty's former lover uh, on the force. He was just thirsty the entire time. Like he just, you can tell he was a, a lover scorned and he just looked soft. He looked soft out here. He just looked like somebody who had his tail between his legs in the presence of Mr. Petty. But of course he tried to act rough and tough in front of everybody else. But he, like his, him sitting there trying to passively find a way to get back into Roy's good graces, it felt like a waste of his time as a character. Like, just give him something to do. Let him let him file some paperwork. Let him set up some surveillance. Can he be a go-between bringing, you know, materials from Chicago down to the Ozarks? Can he do something? Can he be productive? Can he be even used to pull some threads on Marty to find maybe some evidence? You know, can he do something instead of just, you know, traveling to and from, uh, you know, being upset on the phone and then being turned into a sap when it, when they uh, raided the Snell's place at the end? Uh, I, the FBI was embarrassing on the show. Absolutely embarrassing. Uh, another thing about the show that I did not like, the children. Three kids in particular. Charlotte Bird was a nuisance, uh, an absolute nuisance. I don't know if the writers had a clear handle on what they wanted to do with Charlotte, whether they wanted to make her like a smart mouth know-it-all or an emotional, whiny complainer. So they found ways to just make her both and just, you know, have her drive me up a wall the entire show. I get it. You know, teenagers can be moody, you know, with the hormones floating through the bloodstream and they can be problematic as parents. Um, you know, they can provide problems to these parents, excuse me, by just being difficult. You know, hey, go do the dishes. No, I don't want to. I get that. But I felt that Charlotte being taken from Chicago to the Ozark, she just regressed heavily. She could have adjusted. Well, the writers could have made it so that she would have adjusted a little bit better. I get the idea if she wanted to act out in certain spots, but she just proved to be more of a nuisance than a positive for this show. Uh, the other two who kind of bothered me a little bit were Wyatt Langmore and her brother, uh, Charlotte's brother, Jonah. Jonah was just weird. Um, I didn't have too much of an issue with him early on but he just got weirder and weirder i mean i will give him credit uh he was very inquisitive and curious and i found that to be very interesting 
the National Geographic bit about starlings. I found it to be very informative. I thought that was interesting. Um, but everything else, he, you know, hiding guns in the woods, just killing random, you know, like gutting random animals so vultures can come pick them up. Like, it would have been interesting to see him be more curious in a way that just didn't go nowhere. And Wyatt Langmore, they kept telling us as the viewer that he was smart, but I didn't see it. I understood that he was weird and he had a, a thing for reading, but I just never saw the smarts. The, also with Charlotte and Wyatt being friends and then enemies, then or excuse me, enemies and friends, then kind of enemies again, and then just like pals or like acquaintances. I'm like, ah, I don't know if you know what you're doing with these three. Or excuse me, with these two. So I was like, eh, whatever. I'll give you some stuff that I did like. I'm not 100% negative. I do have some positivity in the storeroom. So uh, just wanted to show some of the positive side toward the show. Uh, cinematography, top notch, way above average for a TV show, almost felt cinematic. Uh, the directing, very sharp. Um, some of the dialogue, also very clean. Acting, very strong, especially from Marty Bird, aka Jason Bateman, Wendy Bird, Laura Linney, uh, Ruth Langmore. She started out strong. They stalled her out a little bit in season one because I'm sure that they understood that Ruth's character was going to be a fan favorite. So they stalled her out a little bit just to take the edge off. I, I understand it. Um, maybe she's going to have more time in seasons two and three. We'll see. But they stalled her out after in the middle of season one, which is fine. But yeah, overall ensemble cast, the acting was very good. The other thing that I really like about the show is that they found a way to flip the dynamic of judging a book by its cover, where you get the idea that because a person is from a big city that they're smart, or if they're from a rural, you know, place on the fringe, that they're stupid. You, they sort of flip that idea rather brilliantly throughout the course of season one. There are moments when smart people make stupid decisions and where people you assume are stupid make very, very smart ones. Um, I mean, of course, there are times when they regress to the mean. The stupid people go back to doing stupid things as well as the smart people go back to doing smart things. You know, Marty figures out situations. The Langmores find ways to get over on people when they can. The Snells find a way to move heroin on the lake without the police knowing like there's a there's a lot of smarts being shown here and i kind of respected that because as i watched the show i had the preconceived notion that the people in the ozarks were going to be pushovers from episode one i thought you know what marty was going to go down there and sweet talk these people and find a way to launder that money pretty easily but once i saw him getting pushback from the locals i was like okay i see what's going on here they're making it seem like marty would have made it happen easy because the ozark people would be stupid but they are a lot sharper because there's the assumption that a lot of people like marty have come down to the ozarks to try and do the same thing and it's a self-regulating society that washes these kind of guys right on out 
more often than not. And I found that to be an interesting dynamic as the season one played out. Some of the characters that I really liked, um, I mentioned Marty and I mentioned Wendy, uh, Ruth as well. Uh, Darlene Snell is a hitter. (laughs) If you're going to do a character comparison, the first name that pops into mind is Brother Muzom from The Wire or Omar from The Wire, like in terms of being an effective cleaner of uh, people like she will clean you up very, very quickly. Uh, And her head count, if I'm not mistaken, it was two, but they were very effective, too. She was very, very impressive with a show like most dramas. You assume in a married couple that the wife would be the reasonable one, the one who would act with patience and compassion. Not in this show. Darlene is wiping you off the face of the earth on purpose with haste. Um, And I really, really respected that. Um, I also like Cade Langmore, his little presence within season one. He was just a big giant menace and he found a way to be a menace even while at a distance, which is very hard to do. You know, he he looked like somebody who was going to break out of Arkham and give Batman trouble. Like, that's the kind of guy that Cade Langmore was. And we'll see what happens. I'm assuming he's, well, I'm pretty sure he's coming out in season two. And I'm sure he's going to find a way to muck things up for Marty and friends. But the the presence that he created for himself with a limited amount of airtime was formidable. I liked Russ Langmore. I know he's a dummy. I know he was trying to screw over his niece. But I found his journey to be an interesting one. He had to walk the furthest in nine episodes than most of the characters got throughout all of season one. The homosexual angle, the criminal element, him still trying to be a parental figure. Like there was a lot that he had to sort of work through. And his journey was an interesting one. I mean, it's unfortunate that he had to get some volts through his body, uh, but, you know, he was going to mess things up, so he had to go. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure he would have ever been a good informant. I don't even think he would have made it to any sort of trial if the FBI actually did get the evidence that they needed. So him dying on the docks due to the electrical current was probably destined is probably the best way for him to go out um but while whilst he was alive he was an interesting character to watch yeah um some other smaller characters i liked i like bobby dean uh the the owner of lickety splits he was the typical proud machismo guy he knew what was going on from jump and i respected that um too bad he caught that needle to the neck but you know Darlene wanted to give him a gla- I had to go get him a glass of lemonade and it turns out to be uh some poppy to the neck. Uh, and I also liked Grace Young, which uh Pastor Mason's wife. I liked that she kept it real. She was the doting mother. Uh she was the expect- expectant mother. Um but she kept it real with Pastor Mason and said, "Dog, somebody just had bad aim. You you're not who you say you are." You're alive because 
you're just alive. Like, let's not let's not play it as if you're a bigger deal than you really are. Um, And finally, I wanted to talk about the scene with the baby towards the end of episode 10. I think this is where the show managed to blunt its own progress by not following through with the thing. I don't want to I don't want to sound like I'm in favor of people doing this type of thing in real life, but in the confines of this show, when Pastor Mason took that baby down to the coastline and put the baby under the water, the show was making a decision and that show could have stuck with that decision. And I'm sure there's a cut and I'm sure there's a there's a version of the script where the baby does not come back up above the surface. But they decided to almost have it as somewhat of a baptism. But I think the show would have gone from very good or good to good and very good to great and all timer if the pastor did that. If the pastor kept the baby under the water or even better, if they had him do that where the baby's underwater and the season ends and we don't know if he drowned the kid or not. Like that would be something that would definitely have people talking about the show. You know, there would be a, a, a groundswell, a buzz amongst the people who have watched it because of that particular action. There are people that would see the baby scene and think that's too much. You know, you've gone too far, you know, killing a kid is over the line. Let's 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 take a, a trip down memory lane for season one regarding some of the things that would not be considered over the line. I saw a man fall from the 80 something floor of a high rise and splat dead on a Chicago street. I saw two men get electrocuted on a dock. I saw a man get stabbed in the neck with a hypodermic needle full of heroin and have him foam at the mouth and die on someone's porch. Uh, I saw a drug cartel henchman get his wig pushed all the way back with a shotgun blast to the face. I saw another henchman get cleaned up by an old man with a shotgun. I also saw a old man's bare bottom more often than I needed to. And I saw some toenails ripped out. Two of them, big toe and I think index toe. So we've, we've got a lot of violence on this show already. We, we've got a lot of edges being pushed when it comes to violence on this show. Within the framework of the show, Pastor Mason was within his right, based on how the show had gone to that point, to do what he did. Because everything that he had dealt with up to that point sort of shook him to his very center. And there was no way that he was capable of taking care of that child by himself. I mean, yeah, obviously, you know, the kid could have been dropped off at an orphanage. But considering where Pastor Mason was mentally, him taking that child down to the water and then, you know, doing something quote unquote biblical, but to the negative degree would have been the thing that to me would have catapulted the show 
to all time status or something you always talk about because of the strong choice that you made with that scene. And the fact that he held the baby there for so long led you to believe he was going to do it. It led you to believe he was going to do it. And then he pulled it up and I felt like it was such a cop out. There was just a little part of me that was disappointed. I was like, ah, you know what? This show could have gone there. It could have made that provocative choice and I would have applauded it for doing so, but it didn't. And, you know, it ended up where it ended up. In conclusion, Ozark, as I've said, is a good to very good show. There are a lot of pros, acting, cinematography, dialogue, some of the characters I'm big fans of. Um, Jason Bateman does a great job acting and directing. You know, some of the role players are playing their roles very, very well. It's a very well put together piece of fiction. But there are a few things right now that are holding it back from, you know, top tier all time status from uh, being a show that I can easily say, go binge it now. I'll say that you should go see it for those who like gritty dramas. Um, But you'll have to put in the work. You'll have to stick with it when the show feels slow because it's going to feel slow. (laughs) The show is just going to feel slow and you're going to have to push through it. And one last thing before I go, I think, I think this is probably what is holding the show back from being all time status just through season one is that I think it's, it's one of those shows that's interesting where the main protagonists of the show are not getting their hands dirty in the typical way that people normally do in crime shows like these. Marty and Wendy have not pulled a trigger. Marty and Wendy are not pushing any wigs back or they have not been forced to defend themselves in such a way where body there is a body count. Because of that, there's that disconnect where because everybody else around them is committing atrocities. Everyone else around them is putting bodies under the dirt and they're not, but yet they're the ones that are being put upon. There's a disconnect for the viewer because the viewer wants to see them get their hands dirty. I don't know what's in store for me in season two and beyond, but through season one, there's that disconnect because they're not getting their hands literally dirty. They're not pulling triggers. They're not sending people to the afterlife with the same ease that the villains are. And you kind of need that for a show like that to, you know, be considered one of the all time greats for us as the viewer to connect to them in a stronger fashion. Um, So, yeah, that is my opinion on Ozark season one. Um, I will get on watching season two in a short while. And I hope you have yourselves a good afternoon, good evening, good morning, good day overall. Hope this review finds you well. And I will catch you in the next one. Later.